This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Isn't that amazing? Next year's going to be even better. Are we going to continue to impact the lives of the young people around us? Praise God. Well, are you ready for the word this evening? Won't you stand with me? Let's open in prayer. While you are standing, I want to take this opportunity and thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for the amazing privilege and honor to be able to share the word of God with you this evening. But let's pray tonight. Father, as we come this evening as a family, we remind ourselves, Lord, that without you, we can do nothing. This is your church. Come and have your way. We invite you this evening to touch the hearts of every person. Lord, my prayer is that every ear is open to hear, every heart is ready to receive, and every life will change as a result of your word. I do not trust in my own ability, but totally surrender to you this evening to come and speak through me that I would say exactly what you would have your family receive this evening. And in advance, we give you alone all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor, say, are you ready? And you may take your seat, praise God. Well, family, we started a series last Sunday night, which is titled Extraordinary Relationship. Who wants an extraordinary relationship? Every hand should go up. We shouldn't want below average. We shouldn't just want ordinary. We want our lives to impact those around us. We want great relationships with the people that uh, we are close to, people we work with at a school. That's really our desire. And Pastor Jenny kicked it off last Sunday night, doing a great job on really speaking to the heart. And so this evening, I'm going to continue now with part number two. And our theme scripture for this series is found in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. So let's go straight there. Romans 12, verse 2 from the message translation. And this is what it says. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Let's just pause there for a moment. I mean, you could really preach a whole message on that. You know, we as the church are supposed to stand out. And yeah, God is warning us that if we're going to just fit in and be so well adjusted to the culture around us, people are not going to be able to distinguish, are you really a Christian or not? What is really different about you? You're just like the rest. And so God is warning us, we mustn't be like that. It goes on and says, instead, fix your attention on God. In other words, if you're going in this direction, stop, turn around, fix your attention on God, on His way of doing things, the way He wants us to do things. You can already say to yourself tonight, well done, because you're in church. And that is a, one of the ways you fix your attention on God. You get involved in the things of God. You're part of a group. You're part of a dream team. You've made sure that you've done growth track. Why? Because you want more of God. That's what he's saying. When I do those things, the verse goes on and says this, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And that's what we want, amen, is this well-formed maturity. And so this evening, family, we wanna focus on a topic that applies to all of us. Nobody's immune, nobody can ever say, I've never been in this situation in my life. Everybody's been there. 
And we want to enable God to develop that well-formed maturity in us with the topic of resolving conflict. Resolving conflict. We want to do it in a mature way. The world is battling <laughs> to handle conflict. They're just attacking everybody, not really wanting to resolve it. But as the body of Christ, we want that well-formed maturity in us that God will develop within us so we can deal with resolving conflict. You see, the Bible is full of stories of conflict. I'm sure if you, as you read through the different stories, whether in the Old or the New Testament, there's been a lot of conflict through the pages of the Bible. I mean, we see conflict with people with each other, nations with conflict against nations, even people having conflict with God. We find that in the scriptures all over. And Ephesians 4.26 says this to us. It says this, it's an amazing portion of scripture. It says, be angry and do not sin. That's what the Bible says. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. What's interesting in this portion of scripture here, family, is the first two words say, be angry. In other words, the Bible does actually allow for some anger. It allows for a little bit of conflict as long as it's done the right way, as long as it's done the correct way. And so you can write this down this evening, all relationships have conflict. All of them do. Some have at a real high level, others have at a bit of a lower level, but people have differences, they just do. They have conflict. And what we are gonna to learn tonight is that conflict is not your enemy. Conflict is not your enemy. In fact, conflict handled the right way, God's way, is actually healthy. People can come out of a, a situation of conflict and actually be better off after that. We've seen that in scripture. Where there's been conflict, after it's been resolved God's way, those people are far better off than they were before. So there is a healthy way to deal with it. There is conflict all around us. I'm sure you have to agree with me, whether you're at work, at school, with your siblings perhaps, with your spouse, with your friends, there's always been conflict somewhere. It is around us in the world today. We can't turn a blind eye to it, but this is the challenge. Many times conflict and arguments start with some of the smallest things, some of the most insignificant things. People start arguments because their sport team is different to the next one, or that model of car is not a great model of car, or you shouldn't drink this type of coffee, you should drink that type of coffee. First of all, that's not true. All coffee is good for you. <laughs> There's a whole book written on it. It's called Hebrews. Okay, but anyway. So, but seriously, things, people start conflict over the smallest things. And the challenge is this. When they let it get out of control and they don't deal with it, that becomes such a huge problem that it destroys relationships and friendships. It absolutely destroys them. Perhaps there may be some of you here this evening. And you're going through a conflict right now with somebody at home or at work, maybe even with your spouse. And perhaps you feel this has just got out of control and it's time to sort it out. And so I wanna encourage you this evening, if you will apply what you hear this evening, I believe that you'll be able to get through this and have a healthy relationship. As I mentioned, all relationships have it. Conflict is not our enemy. And what we want to learn tonight is how to deal with it the right way. And so you can write this next one down, is that extraordinary relationships have healthy conflict. 
extraordinary relationships have healthy conflicts. And that's our goal for this evening. Our goal is to make sure that if there is a conflict, we can deal with it in a godly way so we can walk out the other side victorious. And that's exactly what the rest of Ephesians 4 tells us. We started off by reading, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no foothold to the devil. That's what we read. But when you look at the rest of this verse, it actually give us, gives us three practical points that we can learn something. It says this, do not sin. In other words, healthy conflict is safe. Healthy conflict is safe. You see, church, the Bible says be angry. This is an emotion. This is a feeling. Just like being happy is an emotion, right? Amen? Just like being sad is an emotion. Anger is also an emotion. So this is the thing. The Bible categorizes being angry as an emotion that you feel. But what we feel, we've got to make sure that we are willing to always draw a line in the sand and that we never cross that line and start acting out in our anger. That's why the Bible says, do not sin when you feel in anger. You've got to draw that line. You see, church, we don't let our feelings become actions. We don't let our feelings become actions. We can have conflict, but we must have boundaries in that conflict. And we must make the choice to say, I'm never going to cross this line. No matter how out of line this conflict gets, I'm not going to allow that anger to result in action. I'm never going to get there. You see, the conflict must never get physical. You must say, this conflict must never get physical. Another point you must always know is that when we fight, we don't drag up past issues. We don't drag up past issues. We're going to deal with what the problem is. You see, we stay focused on the issue, not the person. What is the issue? And we must make sure that we have control over our tongue. Because you might say things that you will regret and can be really hurtful. So we gotta make sure we're gonna draw a line in the sand and we're not gonna allow our conflict to result into action. The next thing we learn out of Ephesians, it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, healthy conflicts is timely. Healthy conflict is timely. You know, when I was preparing for this message and I was just looking up some information about how to deal with things in a timely way, I actually came across something in our legal system. So this is for all you guys who like to cross your T's and dot your I's. I read this in section 35, 3D of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa, 1996. So you can see it's an actual thing that exists. And this is what it says. This is in our legal system. It guarantees and accused the right to a fair trial, which includes having their trial begin and conclude without unreasonable delays. That's what's in our constitution. You see, the accused should not be held in custody for a long time. And this lines up so perfectly with this point, that at some point, we have to step in and say, this conflict is enough. This conflict is enough. You see, family, time never diffuses a conflict. It always makes it worse. It creates pressure. That's saying, well, just give it time, it'll go away. That's actually not true in the case of conflict. It makes it worse. It makes it fester. People become more angry. And before we know it, we are endlessly held in custody 
because we haven't dealt with this or we are holding others in custody because we're not willing to deal with it. And what happens? If it's a family member, then when it's Christmas time, if they're there, I'm not going. Or if I'm work, at work and there's a colleague and they're coming down the passage, I slip into the office. Or if there's a walking down the street and I have this conflict with a person and I'm crossing to the other side. That's not what God wants. It's not healthy. We have to deal with it. We must make sure that we deal with it in a timeless manner. Because research has actually shown that if we prolong these periods of conflict, it actually is physically unhealthy for you. You get into stress. You start feeling sick. Your body gets worn down. So we mustn't allow this thing to drag out. We must deal with it. And then the third thing that we learn from Ephesians, it says, give no opportunity to the devil. In other words, healthy conflicts is resolved. We must resolve it. We must resolve it. And this is what we want to focus on tonight, is resolving that conflict. You see, what is that opportunity that the devil is looking for? It says there, give no opportunity to the devil. What is that opportunity? That opportunity is for the devil to hold people in conflict for as long as he can. He just wants to hold you in conflict. He wants division and strife. He wants the disagreement. He doesn't want you to find a solution. He wants to hold you back. Remember, church, he is the liar. And he only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he can do that, if he can keep you in that situation where you have this conflict unresolved, that's just a nice wide open door for him to walk straight in and cause mayhem in your life. That's what he wants. That's why the Bible says, give no opportunity to the devil. Remember the opening statement, be angry and do not sin. And when we allow those things in, the devil's just walking right in that door. And I promise you now, he wants to destroy your relationships. He wants to make sure that you never resolve it. And we can see that happening around us in the world today. Just everywhere, there seems to be so much fighting and arguing and disagreement. Haven't you just noticed that? I mean, I'm not a big social media guy, but from what I hear, that if you do something on social media and you're pretty well known and they don't like you, then you have this cancel culture. They just want to cancel you. They want to destroy your life. And family, I wanted us to know that no relationship is disposable. And God didn't cancel us. We don't cancel others. We don't go around with that attitude to say, I want to destroy you. Okay, you disagree with them. You don't have to destroy them. You see, 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. In other words, get it sorted out. Let's be in unity here. Be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. That's what we all want, amen? You see, family, all of us want peace. That's what you want. I want peace. I'm sure you want peace. You know, when they interview always these pageants, what do they want? They all want world peace. What are you going to stop for? I'm going to stop for world peace. <laughs> Everybody wants peace, amen? We all want the peace of God. And there's a lot of self-help stuff out there in how to resolve conflict. There's a lot of things on the internet where you can study how to solve conflict. And this is the challenge though. Unless the heart is restored, unless the heart is restored, those self-help things are only gonna work on the surface. Because when the challenge comes up, you're gonna slip back into conflict with that person because we haven't dealt with the heart. 
And that's the important thing. So tonight, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to speak straight to your heart. And we are going to look at a story in the Old Testament found in Genesis chapter 50. It's an account in the Old Testament where we're going to find four lessons. We're going to learn four lessons that will help the heart, the heart be postured and ready for God to do what He needs to do, for me and you to do what we need to do so God can heal the heart and move forward. That's the important part here. And this story is all about our friend Joseph. Now, if you're new to church and you don't know too much about Joseph, you might remember growing up of a story of a young boy or a young man who had this multicolored jacket. Remember the story? His multicolored jacket. Well, this is the story of this young man, Joseph. Now, Joseph is the son of Jacob, who's the son of Isaac, who's the son of Abraham, and who's the son of Terah. You remember last week, Pastor Jenny covered a little bit of that. And if you study this family, gee, this is a weird family. These guys have had a lot of issues. This family had a lot of conflict. In fact, if you wanted to make a good TV reality show, this would be the family to put it on. These guys had stuff happening in their family. If you go right down their family line, I mean, in this family is deceit, betrayal, anger, infidelity, broken marriages, abandonment, bitterness, jealousy. There's even favoritism. And all of that happened before even Joseph got on the scene. That's his bloodline. Think about that. That's all the stuff that's happened. If you want to study it, go ahead. But these are some of the things. Now, you might think, okay, great, Joseph's going to have a new start. Well, family, his life wasn't really any different because his father then favored him. He was now the favored one. Now, that caused a little bit of a challenge with him and his brothers. And so, obviously, because of that, his brothers were jealous of him, and they have a great conflict resolution method. Brilliant. They say, let's kill him. So if you want to get rid of your problem, no, I'm only joking. (laughs) But that was their conflict resolution. We'll just kill him. Anyway, praise the Lord, they changed their mind. They decided not to do that. We know that they throw him into a pit. And then they sell him as a slave. So you can say, really, going back, this is some of the earliest history on human trafficking. Because that's really what they did. He was human trafficked. He was sold into slavery. They then go back, the brothers, and then from there they go and they lie now to the father. So there's lying involved, telling the dad, no, he was killed, and this is a story. So now they're lying to their father. After that, we hear that Joseph now ends up going and working in a place called Potiphar's home, and just about things are starting to look up there for him. Everything's going great, and then what happens? Disappointment strikes him again. He gets falsely accused, gets thrown into prison. Things start looking up for him in prison, just about awesome, things are looking good. I've got a way out, and he gets forgotten, disappointment again in prison. So this is what's happening through this man's life. Just think about how he must have felt as he's going on this journey, that the people that loved me the most, my brothers, who should have been there to help me, are the ones that have caused me to go into this situation. Perhaps you feel like that tonight. Perhaps you feel the ones that are closest to you have hurt you and disappointed you. And I believe, family, as we focus on what we're going to focus on in a short while, I believe you're going to get through this and the Lord's going to help you. Now, Joseph's story starts to change. Eventually, he gets to come before the the, the king, 
and uh, Pharaoh, uh, obviously he interpreted the dream. You might know the story just for time's sake. He interpreted the king's dream. He gets in front of the king. And as a result of all of that, the favor of God's upon this man. And he gets put into the position of the second most powerful man in all of Egypt and probably in the strongest part of the world at that time. He's the second most powerful man. Nobody stronger than him than Pharaoh himself. And so this is what happens. Anyway, this famine comes along and strikes everybody, this huge famine. And because of Joseph being in position, he gets to store food through the good years. And all this food is stored so that when the famine comes, people can survive. And the famine is now stretching far further than Egypt. And it's starting to affect all other parts of the world. And people then start coming for food. They know there's food there. And they start coming for food. And what happens is, several years later, his brothers show up. Joseph's brothers show up. That pain of his past is now in front of him. The pain of being rejected, lied about, is now standing in front of him again. And now they're asking for help. Just think of you being in that position. You see, as the story goes on, eventually they recognize each other. Joseph Joseph identifies himself. They recognize each other. And in verse 17, we're not going to go there. In Genesis 50, verse 17, the brothers ask him for forgiveness. This is the first account in the Bible of forgiveness. First law of mention of forgiveness. Isn't it interesting that it's two with relationships? Not forgive me because I stole something. It's to do with relationships, to restore relationship. And yeah, in verse 17, that's what happens. So as we look at this story now, we're going to pick up the story from this point of their life. As we look at this story of his life, there are four lessons that we can learn from this story. And the very first one is this. Write it down or follow in your notes on the app. The first one is this. Number one, it starts within us. It starts within us. You see, church, conflict resolution God's way starts with us, starts with me starts with you. Look at what Genesis 50 verse 19 says. This is amazing. But Joseph said to them, now remember this is after they've asked for repent to to forgive him. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? In other words, what he's really saying is, what right do I have to judge you? Am I in God's seat? Am I the one who's here to judge you? That's what he says. Am I in the place of God? Well, family, After all they had done to him, you would have thought you have every right to judge him. I mean, let's be honest. Perhaps if I was there or you were there, I might have thought, well, it's your time. Let's just make things a little bit difficult for you. No, honey, fool. Sure, many people would have done that. They had the power. He had all the power. Who's going to question whatever decision he made? He could have done that. But here we see a man saying, what right do I have to judge you? You see, family, we can see that Joseph has already started to do a work on the inside of him. That's what happened. How was Joseph able to handle it this way? Well, one point is that Joseph had taken ownership of his part of the conflict. He had taken ownership of his part of the conflict. You see, this is the key that opens the door to conflict resolution, family, is that before I look at you, I look at me. Before I look at them, I'm going to look at myself. That's what Joseph said. We could see that he had dealt with this in his heart. He had at time 
to ponder on these things. He had time to spend time with the Lord to deal with the issue so that the heart can be healed. Let me give you some proof if you go. Well, obviously, first let me read Matthew 7. This is so important for us. It's Matthew 7, 3 he says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Look at verse 5. You hypocrite. First, first, take the plank out your own eye and then you'll, be, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. And that's why it starts with us first. It starts in our heart. You see, Joseph looked to God. Listen to this, church. Joseph looked to God to heal the pain in his heart. He didn't look to his brothers to heal the pain. If you look to people to heal the pain, it's not coming. Jesus is the healer. He heals the pain. God heals the heart. Why is this important? If I focus on the Lord to heal the pain, then this helps me to focus on restoring the relationship. To store the relationship. And this allows God to do the healing instead of looking to people to heal. Because if I'm going to look at people to heal and they disappoint me again and again, it's not coming. I've got to look to God. And if he heals the heart, I can work on the relationship. And you see, we can see that this started to happen already in Joseph's life. Look at Genesis 41. This is going back now way before the time of his brothers arriving. Genesis 41 from verse 51 says this, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. In other words, my past is my past. I'm forgetting those challenges. I'm leaving them behind me. God has helped me to put it to bed. He goes in verse 52 to say this. His second son, he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So even in the time of my hurting, God made me fruitful. He healed the heart. I was able to go, I was able to go on because God did it. And family, where does this all start? How could he ever get to this place? It's because Joseph chose to walk with God. He chose to seek the Lord. I love what it says in Psalm 139. This applies to all of us. And I'm sure this is the attitude that he had. It says, yeah, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I love that. You know, it's so easy to say, Lord, check them out, sort them out. And when they are sorted out, I'll be okay. But yeah, we're looking to say, is there anything inside of me? Listen, Joseph could have handled it differently. He really could have as a young man. He could have just said, you know, I had a dream, guys. I'm not 100% sure what it means. Uh, but no, you're going to bow down to me one day. That didn't work too well for him. And so I'm saying he really could have handled it better. And also in his time of prayer, he recognized that God is the one who heals the heart. Because it says in Psalm 34, 18, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he rescues those who are crushed in spirit. And that's where Joseph went. He went to the Lord to heal his heart so that when those brothers pitched up, he could handle it the right way. And so the second lesson we learn is it takes complete honesty. 
If you want to resolve any conflict, it takes complete honesty. Genesis 50 verse 20, that just the first portion of the verse says this, you intended to harm me. Yeah, he's speaking to his brothers. And there's honesty here. Yeah, Joseph is completely honest. He's not hiding the facts of the case. He's saying, you intended to hurt me. Yes, I could have dealt with it differently as well. There's complete honesty. Why is that important? If you don't put it all on the table and are open and honest and you cover up the facts, the devil will always use what you cover up. He'll always use what you cover up. He has control over you until you put it on the table. When it's on the table, nothing more we can do with it. And you have to be honest with the facts. If I've messed up, I've messed up. But I also recognize if you didn't deal with it right, let's deal with it. Let's be honest. We have to be honest. That's how we get to the bottom of it. And that's what Joseph was. He says, you intended to harm me. I know you did. That's what your intent. And the third lesson comes from the second half of that verse. Look at the second half. Genesis 50, 20 says, you intended to harm me. The second half of the verse is this. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, and this is the third lesson. It requires a secure faith. You have to have an anchored faith if you're gonna get through conflict. You have to have a faith in that God's gonna get you through it. You see, he knew. He said, I know this was a tough thing, but God had a plan in this. My faith was in God that something good will come from this. My faith was in the Lord that no matter how difficult this is, I'm getting through on the other side. He had a secure faith. You have to be in the word. You have to find a scripture family that you can stand on when you're going through this conflict. Because let's be honest, it's not always gonna be easy. No matter what comes, no matter what people say or matter what you, you feel, you're gonna have to have a scripture. You're gonna have to have something that you can hold on to. You see, God will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never do that. But find a promise from God because it may be a journey to get to this conflict. And you've got to know, no matter how difficult it gets, Lord, I'm trusting you for the solution. I love Hebrews 13, 20. It says, now may the God of peace make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in God's sight, in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God, no matter how difficult it is, if you trust in the Lord, He'll make it work out good. He'll get you through it, amen? Then the fourth lesson is found in Genesis 50, 21. And it says this, so then do not be afraid. This is, this is Joseph speaking now to his brothers. So then do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Now for me, this is the best part of the story. Remember, these are the people who have hurt him after all the pain, the betrayal, with no guarantee that they wouldn't do it again. He had no guarantee they wouldn't turn on him again. He didn't have that guarantee. Here is the lesson. Joseph is free. He's free. And you see, family, when we do conflict resolution God's way, it sets us free no matter what the other person's response is, we are free. Because the other people might not respond the way you want them to. And if you're free, you can move on. If you're free, you can do good to them. Yeah, Joseph chose to do good to them. He said, I'm going to look after you. He didn't know if they were going to be faithful to him. He didn't know if they were going to turn on him again. But because he was free inside, he could do good to them. 
You see, family, the fourth step is it sets us free, irrespective of the other person. Even if the other person never changes, you free, you can move on. It sets us free to do good to other people. That's what Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And when we do uh, uh, conflict resolution God's way, we make sure that we're going to seek His face. We're going to stand on the Word of God. We're going to trust the Lord to heal our hearts so that no matter what the outcome is, we are free and we can continue to do good to them. And so I want to encourage you this evening. If you will take these steps, these four steps, ponder on that. Understand that God wants you free. Then you'll be able to walk out of that conflict situation knowing I'm free. I don't have to hide from the person irrespective of what their response is, I can face them with the love of God in my heart, knowing I've done my part. Amen. So I want to encourage you with that. But before I close on this message, if you have been sitting here this evening and you're saying, you know, there are some real challenging situations I'm facing. They really are. And they've been going on for a while. And, and although the message has encouraged me, I really feel I just need some extra help. I want to invite you to be part of our freedom groups where you can walk in freedom. You know, a Christian family church, we want you to know God. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover your purpose so that you can make a difference. And when we're free, we can do that, amen. So I'm inviting you, if you're going through a challenge, go through to the counter outside after the service. It's right opposite the welcome center. It's the long counter. Speak to the team there. They'll take down your details and we wanna help you walk in freedom, amen. Is that good? Praise the Lord. Won't you bow your heads and close your eyes at this time? As you've been sitting here this evening, or perhaps you're online, you've heard this story, this message, and in your heart you're saying, you know, Pastor, I don't even know this Jesus you're talking about, this one who's, who loves me, the one who wants to help me. I don't know him personally. Well, friend, this evening I wanna give you an opportunity that you can make Jesus Lord of your life, that you can know for sure that you're in right standing with Him, that you can start on this journey to having great relationships because the Prince of Peace is in your heart. And if you've never invited Him to be your personal Lord and Savior, you've never prayed the prayer, then please allow me this opportunity this evening. I won't embarrass you. I'm not asking you to come up onto the platform. I'm not going down to where you are. But in a moment, I wanna pray for you. You see, the Word of God says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you'll be in right standing with God. I wanna pray that prayer with you this evening. A simple, but yet truly life-changing prayer. So if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, in a moment, when I count to three, I'm gonna ask you just to slip your hand up and I will pray for you, you stay in your seat. Or perhaps you're here this evening or online and you once served the Lord, but you know that that relationship that you once had is not where it should be. It's grown cold. Slip back a bit. Friend, please allow me to include you in this prayer. And you can restart that relationship. Get it afresh and move forward. Or thirdly, my last invitation is simply to anybody who says, Pastor, I don't know what will happen to me if I breathe my last. Will I make it into heaven or will I slip into the flames of hell? I don't know. Friend, please don't leave here if you don't know the answer to that question. If you will allow me to include you in this prayer, you can know for sure that heaven is your home and God is your loving Father. So at the count of three, you wanna to come to the Lord for the first time, you wanna come back to Him, or you wanna know for sure that heaven is your home, won't you raise your hand now? One, 
two, three. Just raise it above your head. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Well done. God bless you, sir. Good decision. Well done. Is there anybody else on this side raising your hand? God bless you. Wonderful. God bless you, sir. Great decision. Wonderful decision. Many hands going up. If you're at home or in the other venue, you can also just raise your hand in the other venue. Somebody will be there and come to you as well. At home, just raise your hand saying, I want to make right. I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to pray with you. Is there anybody else before we pray? Number of hands went up. God bless you. Wonderful decisions you're making this evening. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you at the back there. Well done. Well, I'm going to pray this prayer with you, but I'm going to ask everybody this evening, everybody here tonight, let's pray this prayer together, but especially all of you that have raised your hands. Won't you pray this prayer with me? Let's all pray together. Say this, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight just as I am. I ask you, Lord, please forgive me. Tonight, I declare Jesus is Lord and he was raised from the dead. I invite you into my heart, Lord. Come and be my Lord and Savior. I surrender to you and I choose tonight to forgive every person who has hurt me or offended me. I thank you, Lord, that I am now part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Fulmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.